Well, wow, what a journey it has been at our Lion location. All of the ups and all the downs of just watching God show off his miracle, miracle after miracle. It's been incredible. And what I want us to do instead of just kind of move past this, I want us just to all like take in this moment just a little bit. We're literally living in a miracle today as a church family. So whether you're watching online at home or whether you're sitting in our Plymouth location right now or you're at our Lion location, I just want us to just take in this moment. Because if you didn't know, uh, today marks our three-year anniversary as a church. Uh, kind of shocking in a sense because we had never been in a single physical location longer than a year. And it's just, we have felt the resistance. And you know what I'm talking about. We have literally felt the resistance. Many of you know what I'm talking about. But let it be a reminder to us today as a church family, when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The movement of God, the movement of Jesus cannot be stopped. When the, uh, a movement can't die when the movement is life. And so if God is in it, he's going to keep moving in it. And so this is what we have seen over and over again. And I just don't want us to forget some of these miracles. I don't want us to forget that the building that I'm standing in right now, the church before us, had the opportunity with multiple other people wanting this building in a price that was 400000 plus more dollars. But then they came together in unity saying, you know what? We want to pass the baton onto a church that we know is going to preach and teach faithfully the full message of Jesus of how much he loves you and wants a real relationship with you. I mean, I mean, like, I want us to remember that miracle. I, I want us to just step back because some of you, you wouldn't know this, but the first time that we walked the property, uh, myself and some of the elders of our church, and it wasn't raining at all outside. And then literally out into the sky, out into the distance in the field, a rainbow just pops up. Coincidence? Well, then when the church called us and said, we're going to sell it to you, it was pouring down rain. And Maya and I, the location pastor here at Lyon, literally two rainbows literally up in the sky. Coincidence? I think not. But then I just, you know, then I just, we just need to pause and think about all the specific miracles that we keep seeing and I've kept seeing through you, through so many of you, like literally walking miracles with just, just this open-handed generosity, giving of your hard-earned treasure, your, your just sacred time, and, and just your amazing giftedness towards watching this place get built. And I literally could finish this whole message just telling story by story of all the different people and all that they've done. I, I just, you know, you know who you are, but, you know, many of you, you know, gave sacrificially to the extra mile to, to help, you know, this being part of the extra mile along with our church plants. But, but then even beyond the extra mile to see so many people using their giftedness and their contacts with just different contractors. I mean, beyond our extra mile, without exaggeration, it's unbelievable to think that just with our own people taking ownership, saving us over $100,000 in construction fees by hard-earned work and time. It's just unbelievable. And, and you got to ask yourself the question, and for, if you're, this is your first time watching, you're here with us for the first time, you might be asking, like, why? Like, why on earth would people do such a thing? Like, why would people sacrificially give towards building something like this? And there's only one reason. 
There's only one reason why they would do that is because of the miracle that has happened in their life. The only reason why they would spend so much time and energy towards building is because they want to help build a home here to reach the city of South Lyon and the surrounding areas so that they too can experience the miracle that they've experienced, the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who gives us resurrection and who gives us life. And to oh, to think about all of the miracles that are going to happen here in this new home. To think about all the freedom that's going to come. To think about all the healing, the restoration, the reconciliation. of I mean, it's just unbelievable what is going to happen of all different ages here in this place. And so today, as a church family, a new journey begins. And it only begins because of Jesus which then leads us into the new journey that we're going to be heading into today in our teaching series called Last Words. Now, I know that might seem a little morbid on an on a opening grand birthday celebration of our Lion location, but here's what we're thinking. Because if you didn't know, six weeks from now, six weeks from now, we're all going to come together and celebrate Easter, the Resurrection Sunday of Jesus Christ. That's only six Sundays away, and so what we thought is we would prepare our hearts for that to celebrate like we've never celebrated before. And so to do that, we have to truly understand what happened before the resurrection. And so we're going to look at the last seven words, the last seven phrases or statements of Jesus before he died on the cross. And we're going to evaluate those. We're going to let those just kind of like sink into our hearts with the point and the ability of those last impactful words having a lasting impact on our lives so that when we celebrate this Easter, we'll celebrate like we've never celebrated before. But before we do, before we dive into these last few statements, these last seven statements, I want to pray for you. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the gift that you have given us here in our Lion location. God, give us the courage, the, the discernment uh, to be good stewards of this resource, God. God, may you continue to show off miracle after miracle in this place like we've never seen before. Father, I ask that you would control my mind, control my pace as I communicate. Help us not to miss uh, the impact of these last statements that you said before you died on the cross for us. And so we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, I want you to open it up to the book of Luke. It's one of the four gospels. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So turn to the book of Luke. Chapter 23 is where we're going to find this last statement. Now, I want you to kind of understand where these seven last statements come from. Uh, you're not going to see in one of the Gospels these seven statements just listed in, in order. There's not one Gospel that has all seven statements in there. So what has happened over tradition is different scholars have come and they've organized through all the different four Gospels to grab all the different statements and put them in an order for us to observe and to respect and have reverence as we think about the death and of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do is just kind of share with you all seven of them right now to kind of get our minds wrapped around these seven last statements. And so let me read them to you. The first is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. I thirst. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now notice that these statements are bookended with a prayer. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As we begin to immerse ourselves into these last statements, remember that we're not just hearing, but we're overhearing a conversation between the two persons of the Godhead, God the Father and God the Son. We're going to be experiencing some tension between divinity and humanity, between something that's kind of really brutal, but something that is very beautiful all at the same time. And so as we dive into these last statements, we must remember to have a spirit of reverence because of the context in which these statements are being said. So the first we'll dive in today, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Now, the first thing that comes to my mind or what came to my mind when I read this and when I saw this again and experienced this again is that even though that they didn't know what they were doing, I am really grateful that God knows what he is doing. If I can get an amen out there. But what was he doing? I mean, let's set the stage. He wasn't saying, Father, forgive them while he's just laying out on the grass like sipping sweet tea. He wasn't saying, Father, forgive them for they know that what they do, like hanging out in the boat with his bros, sipping on pina coladas or something. No, no, no. He was literally saying this just after he was brutally beaten, mocked, betrayed, spit on, flogged, uh, scourged, nails driven into his hands, put up on a cross while people bowed down and mocked him. And then he says, while hanging on a cross, on a criminal's cross that should have been Barabbas's cross, hanging on that cross, he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Oh, the power of that statement. Oh, the weight of that statement. The weight and the power of God's forgiveness. And so today, as we look at this last statement, I want us to lean into the power and the weight of his forgiveness. And I want us to hit it from a couple different angles. And so the first angle I want us to look at today is notice the necessity of his forgiveness. He says, forgive them for they do not know what they do. What is he doing? He's pointing out their ignorance. He's pointing out how clueless they are, how blinded they were. They didn't understand, showing us that it doesn't matter if you know what you do is wrong or not. You're still guilty. Like for instance, when you're driving down the road going 50 and a 40, but you didn't notice the 40 switched, from 50 to 40, and a cop's there and he pulls you over. And you're like, well, I didn't see the sign. It doesn't matter. You're still guilty. It also reminds me of this that happened years ago with, one of, with my youngest daughter when she was walking around the church like this. Okay, listen, I, I, did I just flick you off? No, this is my ring finger, okay? But London, I got your attention. I know, I got your attention now. Did he just flick me off? No. My little daughter was running around the church, not with this finger, but the other finger, giving, you know, peeling the banana, if you know what I mean. And I'm hearing this from different people that this was happening. So I grab her into my office and I say, honey, what in the heck are you thinking? What are you doing? And she's like, well, I, I didn't know what it meant. 
I'm like, what do you mean you didn't know what it meant? And I never explained to her what that meant. And I'm like, well, where did you hear about this? And so she started to tell me about some of the older neighborhood kids telling her to stick up her middle finger and, you know, thought it was funny. And so she thought it was just a cool thing to do. I truly believe she did not know what she was doing, but she was still guilty. And she still had to go to her leaders, the amazing Kid City crew out there, and apologize, you know, you know, the pastor's daughter's just flicking us off, okay? You know, she didn't know what she did, but she was still guilty. In this statement that Jesus is saying, he's declaring their guilt, but then notice at the same time, he's offering forgiveness at the same time. They did not know what they were doing, but they ought to know what they were doing because there's enough evidence to know that. They were just rejecting it. And if you didn't know this, I just want to inform you that God has given us all at birth a God-given conscience. But sadly, because of potentially our upbringing, but sadly because of our surroundings, or sadly just because we just want to push it away, we keep ignoring and rejecting that conscience to where we don't feel it anymore. And so, if you are rejecting today, wherever you're watching this, If you are rejecting today that Jesus is the Son of God and you have not made Him Lord of your life, I just want to remind you that God is reminding you that you are guilty. But at the same time, He's also reminding you that He was willing to sacrifice His life to pay the penalty of your sin so that you could be forgiven for the things that you have done and that you know about and the things that you don't even realize you've done that are sinful, reminding us all of the necessity of his forgiveness and how desperate we are, how much in need we are of it, even if we don't realize it. And today, man, if you think you don't need God's forgiveness, I just want to beg you. I just want you to just, I just, would you just consider stop being clueless? Would you consider stop being ignorant Would you consider, I mean, because, come on, who do you think, who in the heck do you think is going to forgive your sin? What, like, what earthly thing out here do you actually think has the power to forgive your sin? Only God has the power to forgive your sin, and we need it, and we have to come to the point that we know that we need it. Which also reminds us of the necessity for us to forgive those that have wronged us in the same way. And we've heard this. We know that if we don't forgive, then we're trapped into the, bitter, into the prison of bitterness. But this also reminds us of forgiving people even if they don't think that they've done anything wrong. It's forgiving the people that, that even if you try to explain to them, they still don't see their error. And, I mean, in some of those moments, as we all know how difficult that can be, we just want to be like, all right, forget it. But in those moments, let this be a reminder to remember Jesus on the cross looking down at the Roman guards who had just literally beat the crap out of him. And then he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let that be our model. When people wrong us, if, even if they don't own it, even if they don't realize that they've done it, for us to have the necessity to forgive as he has forgiven us. 
Now, I, I want us to notice another angle of, for, of forgiveness. Let's notice the immensity of forgiveness here. The, the, the stretching, the extensiveness, the all-encompassing forgiveness of God. But in order to do that, we need to pay attention to the timing of which and where he said this and when he said this. Because Jesus could have said this before he was arrested. He could have said this at his trial. He could have said this, you know, after his first beating. He could have said this after he carried the criminal's cross to Golgotha. He could have said this after they stretched out his left and his right hand and nailed it to the cross. But no, he said it after the greatest agony that he faced was behind him. That's when he said it. It was after all that that he decided to then say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, think about the immensity. To think about, I mean, because remember, no one was forcing Jesus to be put under the cross. Jesus was voluntarily, willingly laying his life down, being obedient to the will of the Father. Even though he had given his body voluntarily, there was still divinity pulsing through his veins. Think about this for a moment. Think about the might and the power that was being held back during the time of the crucifixion. I mean, even think about specifically the right hand of Jesus, the right hand of God. Uh, when the, you would do a crucifixion, when they would put the criminals on the crosses, they would nail the right hand first to subdue the criminal from fighting against being nailed to the cross. And so imagine them taking the creator of the universe, the son of the living God, God in the flesh's right hand, and putting that nail into the cross. But let me just remind you, just, just a few scriptures of the power of the right hand of God in that moment that was being held back. Exodus 5, 6 says, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Exodus 15, 12, You raised your right hand and the earth swallowed our enemies. Psalm 17, 7, Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Psalm 20, verse 6, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Psalm 48, 10, So your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Psalm 63, 8, My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Psalm 98, 1, Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand has won a mighty victory. There is glory in the right hand of God. There is power in the right hand of God. There is wrath. There is judgment in the right hand of God. And the moment that they nailed that nail into the right hand of God, think about what could have been detonated in that moment. But he restrained himself, showing the power of his love for you and me. I mean, think about how vast and powerful this moment was. Is anyone thankful today for the right hand of God that held back his power so that we could be forgiven? I mean, this is a forgiveness that stretches and encompasses and is extended over all of our past shame. And at any moment, he could have taken that hand and just slapped the world 
but he didn't. Instead, he said the prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Which then makes us ask ourselves the question, how immense is our forgiveness towards others? How vast, how stretching is our forgiveness towards others? And then makes us ask the question, where might we need to hold back our might towards someone? Where might we need to lay down our pride towards someone? And where you need to say in your heart, Father, forgive you, fill in the blank. Jesus was modeling what he taught. I mean, he literally was modeling what he taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, you also think about when they ask, well, Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven? He says, no, no, no. Seventy times. Seven. Vast. Immeasurable. The immensity of God's forgiveness. Now, I want us to also notice the word forgive. The background of this word in the original language is this idea of an ongoing active verb. It's just kept on forgiving. Meaning it had been settled. It literally, like a debt had literally been canceled. Like imagine you wake up and if you have credit card debt, it's just gone. Imagine you have a car payment, you know, to pay off your car and you wake up in the morning and it's just gone. Or, or, or your house payment. No more house payment. Gone. I mean, can you imagine that? Just literally has been erased. It's off the record books permanently. It'd be pretty nice. So I want us to notice here the permanency of God's forgiveness. Because this statement, when he said that on the cross, this was a foreign statement because of its permanency. Now, they understood the idea of forgiveness. They understood the idea of sacrifice. But it was temporary. Because, see, in the ancient world, in the Hebrew context, the idea of, of, of a sacrifice, like I said, it, it wasn't foreign. We see this in Leviticus chapter 16, where God instructed Moses to tell the priest to go get two goats and to bring it to the center of the camp. And what would happen is, is that the priests would go out and they would take one of the goats and they would lay their hands on the goats as a symbol of transferring all of the sins of the camp onto the goat. And then they would take that goat and they would slaughter that goat and then they would burn that goat, showing the seriousness and how fatal sin truly is. But then they go to the second goat and they take that second goat and they lay hands on that second goat, the priest would, conveying the sins of the camp as well, but then they would shoo that goat out into the wilderness to escape, to be removed, symbolizing to the camp of Israel that the sin has been removed. But still, in that moment, it was for that moment, but it wasn't for future moments. And so there was always this doubt of wondering, well, is it really forgiven or do we need to kill another goat? And that goat, you had the one goat and then you had the scapegoat and you're like, well, was that goat enough? Well, obviously, here we are today in 2022 and we know that that is not enough. The goats were not enough. It was just a temporary fix. And so that's when God said, enough is enough, and I'm going to make a permanent fix. But the only way a permanent fix could happen of forgiveness is if myself, God in the flesh, would take on the sacrifice 
for the sins of the world. We needed a perfect, without blemish, sacrifice. Showing us that sin is fatal, but that sin can be removed. Sin that has broken you can be removed from you only through Jesus. Sin that has broken you can only be removed from you only through Jesus. I mean, how amazing is that? Because Jesus, because of Jesus, we never have to question if our sin has been canceled. We never have to doubt if it's been removed. We are no longer, we no longer literally have it hanging over our heads. But in the same way, as Jesus followers, we should make sure that we are never hanging stuff over other people's heads. That once we forgive them, we move on and we put it in the past. As Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 13, we must not keep a record of wrong. That's not love. That's not forgiveness. Are you holding on potentially today to someone's files? Are you holding on today to someone's record of wrongs? Where you keep bringing up the past and you keep throwing it in their face and hanging it over their head? Stop. Stop it. Stop holding it over their head. And if you need some motivation, just remember how your God never holds it over your head. Just remember how he's not holding a record of wrongs over your life. Now, last thing. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But I want us to just land the plane here on this. It says, Father, forgive them. Who's the them? The them wasn't just the Roman guards that were gambling for his clothes right below him. The them wasn't just the, 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 the Roman leaders uh, that you know, were too chicken to stand up because they didn't want to lose their jobs. Uh, the, the them wasn't just the religious leaders who were constantly trying to trick and trap Jesus. The them wasn't just Judas. The them wasn't just the disciples that had deserted Jesus. Every single one of us have to get to the point where we realize that the them includes me. We have to get to the point to realize that we are in the word them. And if you see it on the screen right now, the word them, do you see me in it? If you unscramble it, you see me and you just got to read it backwards and there's me right in the word them. We have to get to the point to realize that when he said them, that was including us, as Paul reminds us when he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're included in it. And what a gift to be included in the them. Because yes, we realize, if you can get to the point to realize that you're a part of the them, then you realize that you're guilty but then you also can realize that he will forgive you. But you have to realize first that you're guilty of our sin, and then you realize and trust in a Savior that will forgive you for that sin. And my question for you today is, have you ever gotten to that point? To realize that your name is included in the them. You are guilty. I am guilty. The entire world is guilty. We can't escape it. Only can we escape it through the power and the love of Jesus who died for us 
and rose again for us. And in his last moment, hung on a cross with his arms stretched out, the right hand of God, and saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Have you received the power of his forgiveness? Have you understood in your heart that how much you need his forgiveness? Have you been in awe of, of how vast and immense his forgiveness is? Have you been doubting the power of his forgiveness, that it's permanent? Receive it. Believe it. Just grab onto it. Let his forgiveness sink into your heart today. And if you haven't ever received his forgiveness, then I want to give you that opportunity right now. So wherever you're watching, I just want to ask you to just receive the forgiveness of Jesus. And so you can just, in the, wherever you're watching, just say this out loud to him. Just say, Father, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I know it. And I believe today that you are the only one who can save me from my sin, from all of my past, from all of my shame. Forgive me. Forgive me. And then just thank him for doing it. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for holding back your might for me on the cross. And thank you for conquering it three days later by rising from the dead. Right now, I trust you to be my savior and I make you my Lord. Right now, I receive you, Jesus, as the king of my life. As we continue to pray, if you made that decision, if you truly meant that, if you've truly owned it, owned the guilt and owned the forgiveness and received it, then the scriptures say that you will no longer perish, but have everlasting life. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your forgiveness. May we receive it and then give it. Um, give us the courage to do it. Give us the strength to do it. Thanks for modeling it for us. Forgive us when we don't um, forgive others like we should. And so we pray this in the power of your son's name. Amen. Well, listen, if you made a decision to put your faith in Jesus today for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. And so you can just text the word Mile City to the number right there on the screen. And we want to celebrate with you and answer any question that you might have.